You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. And if you want to get your money's worth, stay right here because you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. And remember, everybody's got a price this is don west here and i'm telling you knockouts and three counts is the podcast baby make sure that's the one you check out because buddy like me they're the real deal baby Jake the Snake Roberts is letting you know you need to listen to knockouts and three counts or you'll see that damn snake again. This is the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. And you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. What up, everybody? This is Kyle, and you are back watching Knockouts and Three Counts. And Chris is back here to join us once again. Yes, brother, man. Let them know where they can find you and all that good shit. Man, follow me on Facebook, Chris James or James Christopher, and then on Twitter and Instagram at underscore I uppercut sluts. I know that's a, a funny name, but yeah, just follow me, man. <laughs> Isn't that funny how you, you get in the mood one day, you, you're starting up all these social medias, and the next thing you know, you type something up, got a username, and you're like, that, that sounds funny. I'm going to stick with that. Next thing you know, you're using it as something official, and it's like, yeah, yeah that's 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 my name. That's <laughs> well, why don't you throw out your names on the social medias, Corey, and let them know where they can find you at. See, I had this well-thought-out plan that I was like, all these fighters on, on the undercards of UFC fighter fights, they need more love. So I was like, I was sitting there bored watching fights one night, and I was like, I'm going to start a Twitter just to – Share fucking love to people in these undercards, man. So it's fight fan from the 313, just so they know what it is. All right. So now that we got all the pleasantries and the bullshit out of the way, there's a lot to talk about from this past weekend. So let's get to it. As we told you going into this, our original guest was supposed to be TZ Scott uh, of Swerve City Podcast. First of all, shout out to the little man. I hope he's all right. We will have the return of TZ at the end of the month. So don't get it twisted. We've got plenty in store and even uh, some more artists under the stable at TZ Scott. But stay tuned to KO3C Pod so that you don't miss that. Um, On the wrestling end, you had NXT TakeOver, which, as usual, I feel like delivered again. So, Chris, uh, what were your thoughts on TakeOver and, uh, you know, yeah, what were your thoughts on TakeOver? And what were your thoughts on the overall look? Because they did try to make it look different than the Raw and SmackDown shows, which I appreciate. So, I mean, I understand why why they went with a different look. I appreciate it. It's, it's COVID, so they just trying to improvise with us, and they just try to put on the best they can. Just not even NXT and WWE, just hope, just wrestling as a whole. They doing the best they can for us fans, and I feel like we should appreciate it. We should not be complaining as much. They put it on the best they can, and I appreciate what NXT did this past weekend. But overall, NXT was dope as hell, as always. And then I want to – the main event – I said the main event was going to be the second best match of the night, but it was Didn't actually, I tell you it was going to steal a show? Didn't I yeah, tell you? 
And then one more thing, we were all correct on our picks too. Just want to point that out. <laughs> so we know our shit, man. <laughs> you see, there's a reason that they got me behind the microphone. Maybe it's because I pay Dave every month or maybe it's because I know what I'm talking about. You be the judge of that. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of it. Mm-hmm. But I completely agree with you, man. I think uh, I think Takeover was a great show. Um, I got to say, dude, please, can we get him to stop with the fucking filtered in crowd noise? It sucks. I can't yeah. stand it. When a guy's in a ring cutting a promo and you got this lame ass, like, filtered in crowd noise, bro. It's that fucking oh, dude. That that terrible monotone fake crowd noise. That one sound you could just tell it comes from the speakers. It's so like you would think they would at least like at maybe all. just maybe just record what an actual crowd sounded like and then play that back. But it's it's not even like they did that. I don't know. That does not sound Eric at all, bro. No, I don't know. I don't know I just, how they're and doing. The thing that. is, though, I don't get it with WWE either, right? Because NXT or uh, AEW is starting to bring back in fans. I understand that they're not trying to bring a lot of people in, but I don't know about you, Chris. But for me, man, I would almost rather them not have. I'd rather you not have fans at all than have that, because to me, that just it kind of messes up a good promo to me. Yeah, I feel it. It just, especially when it comes to Roman, because like I said, I feel like they just had on manufactured as booze, and so it's just like it's not organic. But I feel what they're coming from. But that's the only gripe I have with the Thunderdome setting, and just like the whole whole setting that they have with the um with NXT, like they just try to manufacture. It's just it, it just it's cool. I get the idea because we're trying to improvise with the COVID stuff, but at least tone it down a little bit. Or if y'all gonna get the generic blues, have some people come in and do that. You know, have people come in personally and do that, not just you know over. I'm, I'm, see, well, I'm totally with you on that, right? Like, because I again, I understand you don't want to bring back a ton of people yet, but at that same hand, I again, I think having like, I think having real fans, man. I just I, we've said it since the pandemic started. I don't think there's any way that wrestling is ever going to really be able to substitute for real fans purely for the fact that it's so based on the emotion. It's so based on, you know, that, that reaction of those who are watching it. So I don't feel like wrestling, you know, I mean, obviously they're doing the best they can with what they got right now, but it is what it is. All right. So let's talk about some of these matches. Go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. Well, I see. I feel like wrestling more so than any sport, really, because of, somewhere. <laughs> it's Pepsi. Don't be lying to the fan. Don't be well, lying. To I'm the not fan. lying too bad, am I? But, they can see it, dumbass. <laughs> but that being don't that being said, um, I think wrestling uh, wrestling feeds off fans more than any sport, really. I, I and. It, it just the little bit of matches and stuff that I have tried to watch since it's just completely and utterly just not the same product. I mean, like you said, they try and, you know, uh, like you were saying, Chris, I mean, we should be thankful for what we are getting because at least these companies are still trying to, you know, 
put and out. The show itself hands. was good. Don't get it twisted. What was in the ring was good. Yeah, but, but you can without the without the love coming back from the fans, though, man. It's just it, even if the it's hard to gauge your match what is you're good, doing is working. Yeah, yeah. yeah I piggyback on what Corey's saying regarding that because, like, I feel like it stopped a lot of pushes as well, or just stopped a lot of people like Otis. I feel like his push been stopped. Like, you know, they made him win the money in the well, bank. Well, yeah, because the like, crowd, he stopped, was like so, that stopped. lovable guy that was never supposed yeah. to get the girl in it. Shit on it. Yeah, now they're talking about taking the money in the bank off of him. So, yeah. I, I, like, I had to agree with Corey, like he was saying. Like, the crowd, like, Corey just a casual fan. So, it's just like. I mean, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to see that it ain't the same. I mean, granted, <laughs> they can only do what they can do, but it is what it is. Let's talk about takeover though. All right. Kushida gets a big win over Velveteen Dream, which I think he needed. Hot damn it, did Kushida need to win that match? Here's the question though. Do you think that's because they're trying to write Velveteen Dream off TV? Um, I don't want to say that. I, like I said, if, if that was the case, they would have fired him. If, if, in my opinion, if that was the case, they would have fired him. They would never have him in that Adam Cole match earlier in the year. Like, if that was the case... That was I, also before those allegations came out, yeah, though. Yeah, you're right. That's all about this. I was going to hit... I was going to, you know, allude to that. But I feel like Triple H kind of addressed it, alluded to his immaturity and everything. But I think that's still in the back of their heads. But I don't think it's that much of an emphasis because it just allegedly. But I'm not about to get into that because, you know, that's... that's I get you because it's all hearsay. So... Yeah. That I mean, it was a great. They made Kushida look strong. Yeah, Kushida I feel like needed to be strong. Corey, you'll love his finisher because he's got the MMA background. He fin- his finisher is a Kimura. Um, so great match for Kushida. Um, who was supposed to be tonight's guest in TZ Scott? His brother Isaiah Swerve Scott, the other host, one of the other hosts of the Swerve City podcast. Which, like I said. TZ Scott will be back here at the end of the month. Make sure you check them out. Um, it was Swerve versus Santos Escobar, formerly known as Phantasma Jr. These guys had a damn good match. And shout out to Swerve Scott for keeping up on the aerial tactics with one Santos Escobar. What do you think, Chris? Man, this shit was fire. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of figured that um, Santos was gonna retain, but I loved like at the end when Adonis came in and kind of helped out as well. So I feel like Swerve Scott got his, even though he lost, I feel like he still got his due diligence, and I feel like this is either gonna lead him to going more towards the cruiserweight title or just going on to bigger, bigger pastures, you know? Cause Sheeta might just go for the cruiserweight title after this or something like that. So Swerve Scott put on like he always do. Delivered a great match. Swerve's been a monster for a long time, dude. Oh my, <laughs> like man, and 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 like I said, like I, I first I was first introduced to him like in the cruise, like in, in NXT. So I've heard of him, but like when I first ever he watched, had, him, he's another guy that we got to see wrestle in Livonia for Evolve at the Knights of Columbus, man. And mm-hmm. I mean that uh, guy has really showed out everywhere he's been, whether it's MLW. And I, when I first saw Swerve, I was just like, bro. I got to follow behind him. I got to get behind him for sure. So I'm pushing for it. 
it was a great match. And I mean, I, I mean, obviously everybody knows he is, um, you know, everybody knows that he's a high flying guy, but for him to keep up with a guy like Escobar who, you know, is got that has that Lucha Libre style is straight from Mexico. Like I said, you know, I mean, for him to keep up like that, it was a different match maybe than I expected, but man, it was all action. Great match. And it's something that doesn't hurt Swerve Scott's um, stock at all. Exactly. That's what I was alluding to. It doesn't hurt him at all. Even though he lost, it does not hurt him at all. In my opinion, he can go from keep continuing to spew with Santos or he can go on to probably Lance Archer or something like that. So to Lance Archer. Well, I mean, um, (laughs) wrong company, homie. I, I, you know, you know the Archer, Archer gimmick. So I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking. Damien Priest. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking about the Archer stuff. That's all. I apologize, Damien Priest. I was just thinking about the Archer stuff. So just go on to Damien Priest. Thank you, mean you Oliver God. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is about Swerve. Like I was saying, I feel like he can go on. I'm loving Swerve. He feel. I feel like. He can just adjust to any kind of wrestling setting when it high flying technical. Like Swerve just got it, man. He got it. So I'm, just I'm with you on that. So the next match that we got to talk about here, since you already brought him up, let's talk about the match that started the show, and that's the North American title match uh, with Johnny Gargano versus the Archer of Infamy. Damian Priest. Um, I thought it was a great match. I mean, again, to me, man, people need to put some respect on Johnny Gargano's name, dude. Yes, because man. dude, people, I think baby I think, face, whatever you want, bro. The dude is money. Yes, he is. He put on for NXT for sure. Like he said, when he like like during like last year when it was like the first couple of weeks when NXT first got on to like USA and they just you know they was a you know Wednesday like he said NXT for life man Johnny Gargano man he 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 put on for NXT he always showing up for NXT he gonna always put on he's Mr. Takeover for me no matter what no matter the accolades or nothing Johnny Gargano is Mr. Takeover and he earned that name. He, he definitely earned that name. Okay, let's talk about that, though. So I think the right guy won that match, but now out of that match, there's a lot of talk that Johnny Gargano and his wife, Candice mm-hmm. LeRae, are being called maybe up. headed up to the main roster. Now, Johnny said he never wants to go to the main roster. Do you right? think that's real, or do you think that's bullshit? <sighs> I mean, I can't ever – I mean, other person say something. I can't just never like go back. I mean, away. this is all dirt sheet scuttlebutt, first of all. But although, wasn't it reported by sport? No, it was reported by Sports Illustrated too. Yeah, so I can't never go against a person's word. But you know, I feel like they want to go on the main roster. But we, we, we as wrestling fans know what happens when people go to the main roster. Where at least our indie darlings on our favorites go to the main roster. So it kind of like. It just all depends. I feel like him and Candice LeRae got a good gimmick going on. So as opposed to what he was doing prior to when him and Candice LeRae were like, okay, we about to turn heel and do this thing. I feel like this probably the right gimmick to come, you know, bring to the main roster as opposed to what he was doing prior to that, in my honest opinion, if we're going to go, you know, as opposed to like our favorite NXT superstars or any darlings getting 
to the main roster and just not doing nothing, just floundering. I feel like him and Candice Ray got something going on where they can carry it on from NXT to the main roster and just, you know, do their thing. I just worry with Johnny's size on that one, though. Johnny's size. That's the thing. If you, in my opinion, that's the thing with WWE. They do care about size, but if you got that character, like Edge kind of alluded to, you got that character and all that, you will get far. So I feel like Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae was building up their characters and just they found something with this new gimmick that they got going on that can translate to the main roster, in my honest opinion. I got you, dude. So they, so they, so they've uh, that we've covered basically. Now that you've uh, talked about that, we've also covered the fact that Candice LeRae was unsuccessful in her attempt to get the NXT Women's Title away from Io Shirai. Let's talk about the main event. Man, did they beat the shit out of each other. Like, Kyle O'Reilly's coming out with three broken teeth. Finn, Finn Balor's uh, orbital bone, I think, is busted. Boy. Dog. Oh, damn. Them boys were getting it. Oh, my God. Them boys were getting it. When I heard, I think the first stiff-ass shot that I seen was when Finn Balor reversed and then did a drop. DDT when Kyle O'Reilly was just sitting there and he literally kicked him in the face. I'm like, oh, that's how y'all working right now? This match about to be crazy because I know Kyle O'Reilly going to get his lick back for sure. <laughs> he obviously did in the corner with the knee shot, but man, them boys were that, that was strictly strong style or you know. Okay, so where do you think Kyle O'Reilly goes from here though? Like, because obviously that's another one of those matches like we talked about in the Swerve Scott match. This isn't going to hurt his stock at all. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's going to be – this just boosted Kyle O'Reilly even higher. But I think they're going to – I think after the Ridge Holland thing, I feel like it's going to be Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly versus Bobby Fish and Roger Strong, Ridge Holland in the middle. Like, who who, who the hell did this to Adam Cole? I think that's what we're we going to figure out. Unless the draft changed something. Well, we know who did it to Adam Cole. It was Ridge Holland. Yeah, you think, you think, uh, yeah. He carried him out and dropped him. Yeah, he came out and dropped him, but, you know, you know how NXT is, man. They, they, they. That was Ridge Holland, bro. Because I think last, I don't know if, I don't know if it was last Thursday, you know, when Thursday we make our picks. I don't know if I said Bo Dallas was going to be. The person with the bike, but it ended up being Ember Moon. So that's what I'm saying. Like NXT, they know how to do some stuff. So I'm looking forward to this upcoming Riz Day to see the outcome of Ridge Holland dropping Adam Cole off. He could have just found him in the middle of like, hey, I'm just trying to start. Ridge Holland's trying to make a motherfucking statement. That's what's happening. And uh, I think it was a good match. I think it was a good match on both ends. I think. Finn did a really good job of really, you know, showing what we already knew with Kyle O'Reilly. But like I said, man, I think it was a great showing. NXT was a great show. Um, Raw, I would say the most notable thing we found out from that is Ali is the leader of Retribution. Kyle, bro. What you about to say about that, Kyle? I mean, it sure as fuck wasn't who I thought it was going to be. Bro. If you just 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 tie just tie two and two together, bro. The hacker shit, the hacker shit being on SmackDown, you know. And then we kind of kind of got the uh, we knew that was Ali for sure. And then this this is what I took about the whole Ali being a leader of retribution. He's getting retribution 
for being cast away, or this is what I'm hoping, I'll put it like this, or this is how I'm interpreting it. He's getting retribution for being cast away because we all know Kofi Mania was supposed to be Mustafa Ali's push. But he got injured. Kofi did his thing, and they got the Kofi Mania. So the, the you know, Kofi, you know, Mustafa got pushed away, pushed to the side after that. The, the it makes sense, but it just ain't who the fuck I DJ, thought it was gonna be. DJ, the last time we saw him, he got his he got his ass whooped by carrying across Keith Lee, just let him, just left him, left him to left him to the left him for the dogs. Dio Madden. That one I the gotta say saw him, he got he got his ass F5 by Brock Lesnar through the announce table. Um Mercedes Martinez. She Mercedes, everybody's from what I was told. Like, I have a couple wrestling friends and everything. Like, that from what I told, were like, you know, people that have been paying attention to this deeply. I, I, I didn't get the me and him and Mercedes Martinez, you know, they, their motives. But Mercedes Martinez, they were saying, like, oh, how people just pushing her aside. Oh, she's not a diva type. She's ugly, whatever. He's cool it, as fuck, too, man. Like, we got cool. to kick it with her at uh, Shine. Mm-hmm. He was cool as fuck. But I got to give her credit. Bravo, Mercedes. Because when we were talking, I said, hey, so is there a chance we're going to see you in this here Battle Royal? And she didn't show up in the Battle Royal. She showed up in WWE. So bravo. And then Shane Thorne. I don't know what me and young men are motive is, but I can probably speculate. But Shane Thorne, like I was saying, I, I alluded everybody's motives besides me and young Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne, last time we seen him, MVP was trying to recruit him in a hurt business. He went with it. He got pushed to the side. And then, you know. And he took him out just like his <laughs> <laughs> Took him out. One. He took him out just Two. like his camera. Took him out just like his camera, man. Like I said, for me, the, the biggest thing for me is I liked what we saw with the whole um, the Bray Wyatt thing with this whole thing with Alexa Bliss. I think it's fucking great. That's great. Um, Finally, they did something with this Sister Abigail thing, and it's something that's intriguing. And for all of you idiots that were in that group saying that Bray Wyatt is so horrible, you're wrong. He, but, he because Bray Wyatt never has been horrible. He's just been booked horrible. That's all. Bray Wyatt has always been go. He's just been booked horribly. I, I'm not going to speak on Husky Harris, but Bray Wyatt, he's always been go. just been booked horribly. Hey man, I agree. I agree with you on it. Undertaker at WrestleMania, but that's just a topic for another story. I don't even want to go there. Well, that's as good a segue as any to segue into the MMA portion. So let's talk about some fucking MMA. We had some fights last weekend. Uh, not all the fights were fights that I was necessarily looking forward to, but I gotta say, shout out to Holly Holm. Yeah, For the just... first time, and I don't know how many fights, man, she let them hands go, and man. <laughs> so I've heard. She went crazy, man. She was giving that chick the hand. So, Corey, what are your thoughts on this past weekend's fight night? Well, I think another person that needs to be brought up as well in uh, this discussion is Carlos, or Carlos Conduit. Coming off a five-year losing streak, I think he was has lost five in a row before that, finally got his first win five years later feel like it deserves to be pointed out but holly holm man she looked incredible dude she she led the dance the whole way (laughs) um there wasn't even a second in that fight where it looked like her her 
winning that fight was in question. It looked like it was her all the way through from bell to bell each round. And normally it's, it's weird because normally you'll see later in fights, you know, these people, they've made it this far in their careers because they have a decent corner behind them and stuff like that. And you usually see some adjustments come around the third or fourth round, especially in these main events. And Arani Aldana had nothing for her, man. Like it, you would make, you would see her make small adjustments and then you would hear her corner in between rounds saying, just go at her. You need to step forward. You need to go at her. But that was what she was doing the whole fight. It wasn't working. She needed to cut her off is what she needed to do, but she wasn't. I would argue that she couldn't cut her off, man. You're forgetting the golden rule here. And even though Holly Holmes been using more of her uh, wrestling lately, I mean, dude, let's not forget that she's a boxing and kickboxing world champ. Yeah. I don't think she could cut her off quite frankly, especially that. And I think she couldn't cut her off for the simple fact that I don't think she wanted to get close enough into Holly's range that she got lit up again. It's, it's so interesting. No, I agree with you completely, but it's so interesting to see that, you know, these fighters, they put so much into it, but then like when, like you said, like they'll get touched a couple good times and they'll be like, you know, I just can't, it's not the, it's like the, we talked about, this is the a good, flames not worth the fire, you know? Well, this is a good theme, both in uh, the wrestling portion of the show and the MMA portion of the show. We talked about this off air um, and here's how, in my opinion, this is how it um, correlates to the two, right? So in wrestling, you've got the storyline with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, okay? You've got one guy who's the top of the food chain for the Samoan dynasty family. You got Jey Uso who's trying to get up there. But as we saw at Clash Champions, there's levels to this shit. And Roman Reigns made that clear. I feel like in the Holly Holm fight, you're talking about a multiple-time world champion, a UFC world champion. Okay? She beat Ronda. She was one. Of, she was what? The first one to beat first Ronda? To beat Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, the first talking. person to beat Ronda. I mean, we're not talking about a scrub here. And no. and it, and Aldana, although she's coming up, I just feel like she found out, like I said, that there's levels to this. And I feel like Holly's experience and the experience to know to turn it up in the later rounds is what came. And that's what kind of caused the difference. Because well, if you notice, if, she was throwing a lot more punches in the last few rounds. If you look at home too, one thing that a lot of people forget to mention or at least acknowledge, I feel like when they bring her up is the fact that uh, all her losses are to like real top competition, like absolutely top tier, like belt holding women in the UFC. Like she, they, they, she might slide. She might not look as great in one fight. So they try to give her somebody who they would consider as the, the new face in the division and every single time, man, she just goes out there and shuts them down. I mean, people might've complained about her last performance against Raquel Pennington, but they were really trying to push Raquel. They were really trying to get her as the next girl to get in there with Amanda Nunes. And, uh, yet again, Holly showed, uh, Hey, there's levels to this shit. You want to, um, you want to try to make this a striking match this whole time? Well, if I push you up against the cage, what the hell are you going to do about it? And that's essentially how the fight played out against Pennington, but this time it was the complete opposite. And I think that's a big reason why people are talking about it so much. Like 
like you were saying, Chris, you might not even have necessarily checked out the, the, the card itself, but you heard about what she did mm-hmm. because she went out there and she really got busy with the hands. She would, she would stay on her bike. She really did a good job of backing up, but she stayed within range. I feel like that's a, that's a big thing that, uh, people complain about is people constantly moving, constantly circling in the cage. It's not a bad thing when you're still within your range. And she was able to implement her range the whole fight. Um, well, and it was good too. Cause you could notice every time she started to get out of her range, she'd get out, get out, circle out, yep. get in, bop, 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 get out. Yep. You know, she was never there for too long for Aldana to really be able to figure out her rhythm or timing to be able to, um, she wasn't ever really able to be able to find her timing out to really get off and really get back at somebody who was really rifling off the strikes. Another thing that we need to talk about, obviously with us being from Michigan, shout out to Michigan's own Daquan Townsend, who was out, out there doing his thing at UFC fight night, uh, out there at fight Island. Uh, obviously fight didn't quite go his way, man. Uh, but again, it's good to see Michigan guys on the stage, but man, his opponent sure. was really getting at it, huh? He looked good. I'm trying to think of his name because I know it was something like um, some Russian or Ukrainian name or something like that. But, um, yeah, he absolutely – and not to to shit on your boy there, Daquan, because I feel like the UFC did this intentionally. They kind of matched him up. He's had a a bit of a down streak since he's gotten into the UFC. He's been in some real tough fights, though. He never looked like he was completely down and out in these fights, it's just hasn't went its way. And um, I think they kind of fed him up against a young up and comer who was maybe a little green on his skills still, but just has a hell of a heart that they're kind of pushing behind. And um, it worked out for him in this, in this fight. I mean, I'm with you on that one. All right. What other fights were there for you, Corey, that specifically stuck out? I mean, for me, obviously, Um, Go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, obviously the the Holly Holm one being the main fight uh, on that card. We talked about Daquan's fight. This one was a little less uh, star-studded of the UFC cards that's been going on Mm -hmm. right now. So, I mean, for you, what were some of the other fights that jump out? So, I'm going to... I'm going to try to make a little segment here and I'm going to call it the undercard stars of the weekend. And in my eyes, I think we have three of them. Really. There was three really, really bright stars that are up and coming in my eyes that will at least work their way into the top 10, top 15 at some point in their careers. Um, First off, Casey Kenny, he looked dominant, man. And uh, those of those of you who aren't aware of who Casey Kenny is, I mean, I can't quite blame it. He was only on the second fight of the night, but I believe this was his third fight in the UFC. And each one, man, he's looked incredible in. Um, I think he looked really good on the night. I'm going to give him my third slot. Number two, I came into the fight actually doubting this girl. And I don't normally do that with too many fighters. And I'll, I'll admit it. I don't think I actually said it anywhere or anything like that, but in my head, I just didn't have a ton of confidence in this girl. <clears throat> but Luma, Luma Lukbumi, the Thai fighter. I remember you talking about this as we were watching the fights. That's funny yeah. because 
literally looking at this like I'm literally looking on this site and it's literally looking like the winner. Like she just literally popped up on my on my on my on my laptop. She she looked incredible in that fight, and she actually was facing against the former Invicta champ as well. So she wasn't there was stiff competition, but she was just able to control the fight in and out. Um, she really did a good job with uh, the, her tie clinch, of course, being a tie fighter. Um, she was able to land a lot of tight elbows, uh, really control the position. She has my number two slot, put it that way. But my number one goes to somebody that, uh, yet again, I'm sure probably a lot of people aren't quite aware of at the moment, but I think he'll work his way into that spot, and that's Kyler Phillips. I uh, fucking agree with that 100%. He, t- he definitely takes my number one slot on the week. He, yet again, just like I was saying with he Casey Kenny. dirty, bro. Just like I was saying with Casey Kenny, man, he's, he's had a couple fights in the UFC now. He's looked solid in each and every one of them. And this one... He looked like he he's starting to not only has he looked solid in those other fights and I don't and I'm not taking anything away from those at all. I'm actually saying that he's taken the the experience that he's gained in those and he's starting to round that corner, man. I think he's I think he's the the up and comer of the night. Put it that well, way. I mean, I don't think there's an argument there. I mean, his performance, man, he was all over my man though. Yeah. There's, well, right now from me just saying it's just levels to it. He felt like he was confident winning the match the whole yeah. time. It just levels to this MMA shit. So pretty much. I think I'm, that's going to be the title of this ep- this episode. There's levels me. to this shit. That's what's going to be the, the the title of this. While we're talking about levels and we're talking about levels to this shit, it seems Conor McGregor can't choose what level it is that he wants to fight on. One minute, he's talking about he wants to fight Manny Pacquiao. One minute, he's talking about he wants to fight Dustin Poirier. But I don't want to fight Dustin Poirier in the UFC. I want to fight him for charity. I think he's trying to hop on uh, Mike Tyson's coattails. But, uh, hey, what the hell do I know? What are your boys' thoughts on both of those fights, and which one of them do you want to see more? Uh, Conor McGregor just looking for a bag at this point. So, in my opinion. Dude, he's man. a bag because all them lawyer fees he keeps exactly. getting punching old guys in the bar. Oh, he's just looking for a bag. If anything, well, you can go, Corey. Well, I was going to ask you because I don't even feel like he's looking for a bag at this point. I think he's looking for the attention. I think he's seen Israel come in hot because all of this started on that weekend of the pay-per-view like it always does with Connor. Izzy came in hot. Is he fucking slept Costa? And then next thing you know, Connor's coming out of retirement because somebody else is in the headlines. And See, uh go on, I, Connor. I, speak on Izzy. I was gonna I was gonna speak on um Kamaro and uh Burns getting postponed. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna talk about that, how you guys felt about that. Well well if I'm not mad I at it because both of them have fought recently. So, if anything, I don't have a problem with somebody getting a little bit more time to train and getting more of a uh, fight camp, you know? Yeah, so. and Burn- and uh, Usman came out and said that he's got a small lingering issue, but it shouldn't be nothing too big. He just wants to push the fight back a couple months. So, I can't necessarily be mad at the champ. He was active, you know. That's what that's what comes with the, these fights, man. Speaking um, of it, 
Like I was saying, my bad. Speaking of Izzy, do you guys think him and John Jones gonna fight? No. Never? You don't think ever? I don't uh, think I'm right now. Never, but I don't think it's gonna happen right now. Yeah, I don't think right uh, now. I, I, I think I think Izzy's got too much they got for him at 185. Um and quite frankly, John Jones can say all he wants, he wants to come back. If John Jones comes to do anything outside heavyweight, I think it's going to be maybe against Jan Blahovich. Other than that, other than that, I don't see John Jones fighting anywhere outside heavyweight. See, and I disagree with you on that because I feel like at this point, John Jones held onto that belt for so damn long that he almost feels like that belt doesn't mean as much as taking the O from Izzy. I think that. I think that is a it's such an interesting match because even though John Jones isn't technically undefeated, he's undefeated. I mean, we can all yeah. say that that was a bullshit loss. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, if if Izzy can somehow turn it off, turn it out so that the fight does take place, he'll be fighting two straight undefeated opponents, and and if uh, history shows us anything, man. He, he put on a fucking dominant performance, man. I mean, I understand Costa, like we said, the, I'm just going to say, title of the episode, there's levels of the shit. Costa would get his ass whooped by Jones, but I don't know if Izzy would. That's, and it, it, it really is an interesting match because I feel like Jones has slightly slipped as he started to get older, as he's aged. I don't think his performances have been quite what they used to, especially... I don't feel like his defenses necessarily went down. I feel like his offenses went down. I feel like he's not throwing the tight elbows. He's not doing the stuff that he used to do that really was the like damaging blows to people. Um, the only time you do see him do stuff like that anymore is when he has some beef with people like DC and shit like that, where he fucking put it on DC. I feel so, like John Jones hasn't had a real challenge in a long time, and because of that, in some fights you can see coast, which is I think that's part of the reason why we've seen him get in a little more trouble in some more of these fights too. I don't necessarily disagree with you there, but I I feel like that's part of definitely probably the biggest reason on why he moved up. I'm still surprised, man, because with his frame, he in my eyes. <laughs> He didn't have to give up that 205 title. He he did Yana favor. Oh no, he didn't have to. He he did Yana favor because in my eyes he could have defended that, did the whole once a year, defended it, and kept his belt, and then just moved up to heavyweight and been a 230 heavyweight that just cuts down to 205 once a year. But I'm yeah. I'm but the thing is, though, I think not. John Jones is going full on bulk mode though to get ready for being a heavyweight. I feel like. He's he's already put on a lot of weight from what you can see when he's in public. I mean, I think he's putting on so much weight he figures I'm not trying to cut again. Yeah, I feel like cool. he's heavyweight as well, and that's just coming from like a casual fan for real. Like I just feel like John Jones is really committed to switching to heavyweight, not really focused on smaller divisions. We're See, talking about like, smaller divisions. I, I feel like bulking up like that. Not to not to cut off your little segue because I, I I seen what you were going with. We got that main event this week, boy. I'm excited for it. But that being said, I think bulking up, man, too much with a 
the way that his game is, I don't think bulking up a ton is the move. Even though he's trying to compete with some bigger boys, I think his speed would would well, I don't be. I think the, he's going to get just, big to where he's going to affect his athleticism like that. I think John Jones is smart. Twenty pounds, twenty pounds of muscle will definitely affect. Well, I mean, you got to remember though, John Jones was big even when he was at light heavyweight. His last few fights, he's been getting sizably bigger. So, I mean, he's already been doing that for a little while. But you're wrong. That wasn't the segue I was going to. Oh get to the fights that we're talking about this weekend see you think you know me but i ain't edge anyways you already took the words on my mouth but i ain't edge anyways um we got more to talk about next week's guest kenny cross is going to be doing his thing in xfc in the lightweight tournament on (laughs) november 11th nbc sports but we also can now confirm that other past guests of the show Bobby Nashty Nash has now signed to also fight in the welterweight tournament for XFC. So some big things coming this way. I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, the tournament concept? I mean, these fights are going to be over a long time. This isn't going to be like a one night tournament, but what are your thoughts on uh, XFC quickly and shortly before we get to next week's guest? Kenny the Boss Cross, which, like I said, make sure you check it out. Last time he was on, man, it ran numbers well over 3,000 views, all that good shit. Make sure you're here next week. Chris, I'll let you touch on this one first. Oh, I mean, shoot. I mean, I guess it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I haven't heard that much Chris about Chris doesn't know much about XFC, Corey. So I'm not that, I'm not that familiar, but shit. Well, what I'm more curious about is getting like the more casual side of how do you feel about the tournaments? Have you been have you noticed anything like Bellator has done with them in the last like year and a half, two years? To be honest, I'm not that aware, but like like you guys give me, you know, you guys put me on and just let me know. It's just sounds mm-hmm. like it just it gave me the contender vibe. So I'm just hoping shit just get okay. And it gave me the contender vibe, like you guys explained to me. So give me the contender vibe. So I missed the contender show, man. The old contender boxing show, man. I used to love that. I still yeah. got one of the posters. Man, in but man, that's why I follow some of my favorite boxers and stuff through that series. So yeah, and, like if I paid attention, like I said, I'm 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 slowly grad, you know, yeah. gradually going to diving into the MMA scene. So I'm just I'm pretty sure it's gonna be dope. So stop beating around we'll the bush, Corey. Answer question. Well, I wanted the more casual opinion, Kyle. Sometimes opinions matter, Kyle. But my opinion obviously matters. So what I think about these uh, tournaments is I I think it's a great look, man. It's like essentially think of if you're an NFL fan. Everything's on the line in that one playoff game. True. Your whole season, your whole everything that you've put into however many months, however many years of your life that you've been training to get to this point is all on the line in that one fight. I mean, granted, of course, the organization is probably going to have you back, stuff like that. But your like ability to grab hold and take reins on this division, that all matters on that one night performance. And that's why I love these tournaments, man. It can really make or break somebody's career. Yes. I'm a big fan of the tournament thing, and I'm really happy for Kenny to get a second chance here after, you know, 
all these people kind of hating after the contender series fight. I mean, the man made 155 twice in two weeks. He fought a 10 and 0 guy, you know, and beat him. He just didn't do it as convincingly as he normally does, maybe because he was a little bit more tired. Oh, it but was I mean, very it was very convincing. It was just not necessarily well, the when most you go from having a hundred percent finish rate. Yeah. That and that and it's it's so unfortunate. It really is because we'll touch further on it when we get them on the show. But I mean, there's so many details with that I want to get into. I mean, I, he had to fly back and forth. He had to try to make weight twice. He had different opponents in and out. And then for him to still get the win and then still not even throw him a little nod, like, hey, man, we get you went through some shit. Here you go. That's like I said, I'm excited for him to get his crack. You you already alluded to it a little bit. Let's talk about these UFC fights that we got coming this weekend. We ain't going to go into the whole card, but let's talk about the big notable fights we got on this one. And make sure you stay tuned for our full picks for this weekend coming at you real soon. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Corey, I'm, I'm, what is it? I'm got pulling up, yeah, I'm pulling them up right now. And I guess we cannot. We can just start with the main, and we'll work our way down from there. Marlon Moraes, Corey Sandhagen. This is a That's real gonna num- be a banger of a fight. This bro. is a real number one contender for whoever wins that Aljo. It, see, it's interesting though because if if Aljamain Sterling does end up winning the belt against Petra Jan and Corey Sandhagen turns around and beats Marlon Moraes, do they run that fight back like that immediately? Well, I mean, because, you kind of have to at that point, don't you? I'm, yeah, but he's only one one win removed from the like what forty five second chokeout that Aljo put on him. I mean, I get it, but I mean, there, that's the problem in the lighter weight classes, though, man. You're kind of like as far as uh, contenders, man. It kind of, it's kind of. Well, he and and it's so interesting too because. If you were to just completely act as if though that that fight with Aljamain Sterling hadn't happened, I believe he's on like a, a eleven or twelve fight win streak or something insane like that. Um, he's he's shown incredible toughness. I mean, you facing somebody like Aljamain, things are going to happen once in a while. I mean, there's a reason why this guy's been just shouted from the rooftops from every fan that he's the one that needs the title shot next. I mean, he deserves it. He showed that against Corey San- Sanhagen, but I don't think that necessarily discounts Sanhagen. I think he just slightly had an off night against somebody that he couldn't take a second on. Um, I mean, Marlon Murray. Marlon Murray's man, Murray's has been around for quite a long time. This fight isn't a main event mm-hmm. for a reason. I feel like this is something that we've been talking about though in that we've got fights every weekend. I feel like some of the fights, and again, this is where MMA, I feel like, is affected by there not being as much fans, right? Because yep. you're running fights every weekend, which for fans at home is great. But when you're not having that crowd, you know, you get these bangers of a fight where if there is this nasty knockout or this nasty whatever, you're not getting that big reaction moment. You're not getting... You know, you're not getting a lot of that. I don't know if that's messing up any type of uh, hype for any of these guys or anything. But, I mean, this fight's another one of those ones where if you're a diehard, there's fights. 
but really there's only there's the main co-main and the fight after that that are the three that you got to watch out for in the co-main event you got ed edson barbosa versus let's see if i can try to do this maquan amirkani uh you know that's Mm. gonna be a damn good fight edson barbosa has lethal knees lethal kicks lethal elbows man the guy is a walking like slice and dice um his opponent like i said man is a tough kid in and of itself this fight's going to be interesting what do you what do you think about barbosa at 45 though i want to i don't know how he's going to do with the weight well this is his second fight remember he fought dan ega right i know it's his second fight but i mean i just still he looks really big for 45 to me but at the same time he looked, he looked big for 55 bro yeah <laughs> i i don't i honestly don't understand how he does it man because he looked like he looked like one of those fish that has abs that at 55 secret and changing stomachs that's what happened i dude i don't get it i don't know where he pulled another 10 pounds from if he just maybe took some time off from going to the gym so he lost a little bit of that muscle mass maybe or something but I just don't get it, man. I don't see where he could have pulled another 10 pounds from, but he made weight and it didn't seem like it was that hard for him last time. It's, it's, it's interesting seeing some of these people that are vets moving down weight for later in their career. Normally you see people go up later in their career as though they struggle to kind of make weight, but you've, you've seen it with the likes of, um, with him, you've seen it with Frankie Edgar, you've seen it with Jose Aldo. I mean, it's an interesting uh, trend that we're seeing. I don't know if they're just trying to take advantage of their size later in their career or if they're just, like I said, maybe wanting to not have to put as much time into the physique that they had throughout the years of their career and maybe focus more on just cardio and the the technique side of it. You know, that's why you got to tune in as we're going to be dropping our picks for this weekend's fights. Obviously, we've told you the fights that are sticking out to us. If there's any that are sticking out to you, make sure you let us know at KO3CPod and be ready for the stacked month of October that we've got coming for you. Like we said, this Tuesday, Kenny the Boss Cross makes his return to the show before his fight November 11th for XFC on NBC. Then the following week, we've got Brett Big Dog Martin ahead of his fight against Antonio Bigfoot Silva for Torah MMA in Florida. And then, like I said, tonight's original guest, TZ Scott, will be back October 27th, Tuesday, 9 p.m. live. We're talking top five wrestling theme songs of all time. This man just redid one for past guest of the show, Brian Cage. He's done another one for past guest of the show, Sammy Guevara. This man's been all up in the studio with your favorite wrestlers, and hey, there could be some more uh, theme song type genre of shows coming to you. So let us know in the comments what your thoughts are on all of that stuff. And we thank you guys for checking us out once again. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Corey, you look like a fucking orange and shit, but I appreciate you. With the crispy fit, though, I look like the best pumpkin at the pumpkin patch. That's what I look like. Okay, Charlie Brown. But uh, <laughs> in the time and in between, son, the Frogun is coming for Chris, and we're coming for you next Tuesday, 9 p.m., live on Facebook. And until then, and in between then, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Peace.
Peace. Later.